Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here's Ashley Pope Todorova. Hi, ladies, and welcome to session six of our Acts Bible study. My name is Ashley Pope Todorova. I'm so grateful you found the ministry. Maybe you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard of this ministry. We are so grateful to have you. We provide year-round live online Bible studies. And right now we're in a Bible study on Acts. Tonight is our last session. So if you are just jumping in, tune in, listen, take notes and you can go back, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, and you can just go through the whole study. So God bless you. We're so grateful to have you here. Uh, ladies on Facebook, we do teach on a multi-platform um, system, and we're getting ready to hopefully in the next um, Bible study add a third platform. So we're we're working on that. But gals, if you're on Facebook, so glad you're here. Make sure you grab your Bibles. Make sure you grab something to take notes. Maybe you join these studies and you don't have a book. That is okay. The way that we design them is we go straight to God's word. Um, Heather is not going to be on note-taking tonight like she usually is because of the reschedule. Um, so I will have this up on the podcast and YouTube. So you can go back after and you can watch it. You can slow it down and you can watch it at your pace. So what I'd like you to do if you're working from the book, I'd like you to please turn in the book to page 129. Again, if you don't have the book, don't stress it. Page 129. And tonight what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about Paul's journey to Rome and how he anticipated getting to Rome in a much different way, right, than he actually did. The, the way that that Paul ended up in Rome was so vitally different than what he anticipated, than what he had planned, right? And so often in our lives, you know, we have this, this image of the way things are going to be or the way things are going to happen. And God often intervenes and does things completely different. And you know what, ladies, as we approach tonight's study, uh, I just want you gals to understand that there's no better place that you can be than right in step with God's will. So no matter how many plans you have, no matter how organized you are, no matter how much you have your life down to, you know, a T, you have to understand that you're never in a better place. You're never in a better place than when you're right in step with God's will. And so Paul, he imagined that he was going to be going to Rome and he was going to go visit friends and he was going to um, preach the gospel in Rome in this way. And the Lord really completely and utterly just changed that plan, got, got him to Rome, right? He got him to the um, the promise he got him there, but it was in a much, 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 much different way. So turning to page 129, we're going to just sort of breeze through the context section tonight. Uh, we're going to go into the keys to the text. I'm going to talk a little bit about Rome. What was the culture like in Rome? Um, you're going to notice a lot of similarities between what we talk about uh, with Rome's cultural and their societal norms and the world that we're living in right here, right now. Um, and then we're going to talk about Paul's voyage and the storms, Acts chapter 27, the storms that he encountered on the way to Rome. We're going to look at that time, culture, context. We never cherry pick God's word here at Ladies Who Love Christ. And then we're going to bring it to 2023 and we're going to talk about what can we learn from Paul's journey? What can we learn from his example? What can we learn from how he handled these storms? And how can we apply that? How can we apply scripture? How can we apply that to our lives now? And ladies, it's a lot to glean. Essentially tonight, we're talking about the triumph of the gospel. When the enemy the enemy thinks that he can he can sway and he can deter. You can never, ever, ever sway God. You can never, ever, ever change God's plans. He is sovereign. God's sovereignty means it is his full and complete authority. So we as ladies who love Christ know and completely understand that God is completely in control. And ladies, a challenge for you tonight as we begin this study, God is not just in control of the good times in our lives, of the high moments. 
He's in control of the storms in our lives. And so often with our human vision and our human perspective and our human minds, our flesh, we cannot see through the storms. We can't see anything other than that storm raging. But you see, gals, the Lord sees the full picture, the complete picture. And we're going to we're going to take some lessons and glean some lessons from Paul's life about how we can navigate not just those mountaintop moments, but those valleys navigating please listen, navigating the valleys, gals, is so vitally important in our lives as we seek to, to emulate, to model the gospel to those around us. Not just shining when we're doing well, not just shining when things are great, but shining when we're in the storm. So that is what we're unpacking tonight. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm going to just breeze through page 129, kind of give you some bullets, give you a nutshell, uh, a nutshell kind of overview of uh, Acts 27 uh, through Acts 28. So essentially, Paul boards a, a boat for Rome. And, and as he boards this boat, it's late in the fall. Um, it's late in the fall to be on the open seas because they would rage. There would be violent storms. Um, there were people that were not, were not suggesting this. They were thinking this is not a good idea. It's not a good time to go, right? So Paul boards a, a boat for Rome late in the fall and he encounters bad weather. When you read chapter 27 of Acts, this, this voyage to Rome was not like modern day now jumping on a cruise ship and taking a cruise. This voyage to Rome was literally tumultuous. It was violent, raging storms that would toss the, ships to, the ship to and fro. But despite all of that bad weather, despite all of the storms that were raging around them, physical, literally physical storms, the leaders of the voyage pressed on. At the height of a violent storm, Paul gathered the ship's crew, and we're going to go into this a lot more in depth tonight. He gathered the ship's crew, and he led them. He led them he, he uh, really modeled a, a exemplary leadership in this moment, um, but he guaranteed them and he encouraged them with the promises of God. So while the storm is raging, people are just absolutely in a panic. They're on their way. They're trying to get to Rome. And Paul, Paul encourages them with God's promises. He didn't come out and, and have this, this well thought out speech that was of his own doing. He encouraged them with God's promises. Ladies, God's word to us, right? I believe in a closed canon of scripture. God's word to us, Old Testament, literally to New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, that is God's spoken word. And when you're seeking encouragement through the trials of your life, through the storms of your life, through those moments, right? It is God's word. It is the promises of God that encourage us, that give us that strength. So Paul, he stepped up and number one, he guaranteed, he was guaranteed safe arrival in Rome. So he encouraged everybody on that ship that we're guaranteed safe arrival. Okay. The second thing is everyone sailing with him would be protected from harm. Now listen close. They would be protected from harm, even though shipwreck was inevitable. So he's sitting here and he's saying, shipwreck is inevitable. And we're going to talk about in one of the verses where he literally confronted them with the, the really the, the true dire nature of the situation. But he confronted them with God's promises and he said, everybody is gonna be okay. But the shipwreck is inevitable. The storm is gonna happen. The storm is gonna happen, right? The ship began to break apart just off the coast of Malta. Though very scary, all 276 people on board were able to safely swim ashore. So God's promises did come true. God did protect the people, right? And the soldiers actually even wanted to, to, um, to kill the prisoners on board. They wanted to kill all of the prisoners on board, um, thinking that they would try to escape, right? And that didn't happen. God's provision and God's um, promises made it so that that didn't happen. All 276 lives were, were saved. Once in Malta, the forces of hell tried every attempt, and I'm just bulleting the contact section, 
Once in Malta, the forces of hell tried every attempt to keep God's messenger from reaching Rome. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake, but he survived unharmed. Now, guys, listen. The times that they were living in, it's not like so often we approach it with our 2023 brain and think, well, you know, if this happens or that happens, you got the, the ER right down the road. And this is not that culture. This is not that time. These things killed people, the shipwrecks, the, the storms, the, the just the times that they were living in. Um, it wasn't modern day times. So a lot of what we are so conveniently like blessed with, they didn't have these things and the Lord protected him from that. But there were attacks after attacks after attacks with Paul on his way to Rome. So Paul's like, I'm trying to get to Rome. I want to preach the gospel. I want to preach the good news. He was so fervent. He was so excited to, to be able to do that, right? And he just kept coming up at, uh, against, I should say, he kept coming up against storm after storm after storm. But yet, watch how he pressed on. See, the words that Paul wrote in Philippians, the words that he wrote in Philippians about pressing on and about endurance, he wrote from having lived through the storm. And gals, that's really important to understand because these people, the people that, 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 that we, we can seek examples from in scripture, they, they are not writing from a place of just being an armchair expert. They're writing from a place of, I've seen God. I know God's promises. I know God's promises are true because he brought me through. So long story short, Paul gets to Malta. He spends about three months there. And he ends up healing a lot of uh, uh, sick people on the island. And he, he was showered with hospitality. They were so eager and so excited to have him there, right? So despite all of that opposition, despite all of this, the, the storms and the opposition, the Lord still mightily, mightily, mightily used Paul and used that situation. I'm going somewhere, okay? What the enemy means for evil, God turned into good. What the, e what the enemy meant for evil, God turned to good. And what the enemy means for evil, modern day right here, right now, talking to you girls, God will turn to good. But are we going to maintain that Paul-like perspective? Are we going to maintain that Paul-like perspective that when we're facing a raging storm, we can come out and say, but let me encourage you and let me not encourage you on my own thoughts, my own fortitude, my own words, but let me encourage you with the promises of God. Gals, women, mommies, lots of mommies. I know some of you on here, lots of mommies. This is literally kingdom work to encourage your children, to equip your children, to lead your children, to be an example to your children. Just giving you one example, just one, right? This is such a call for you to lead during a very stormy time in our world, a time where you are literally fighting and, and swimming upstream against a society that is trying to forcefully, forcefully subject you to their ideologies. Take encouragement from that. Take encouragement from the fact that it is not you, but it is God's promises. But what are you going to do about it? What are we, what are we going to do about it? You will never do that apart from building intimacy in a relationship with Christ. Paul could never have equipped those around him and led those around him from something that he did not have. We're going to talk about that tonight, how what's inside of us will always inevitably come out. The truth of what we believe will always inevitably come out. You can speak what you believe, but when you're in that storm and people are watching you, inevitably that is going to come out. And what came out of Paul is, I know my God, I know his promises, and we're going to be safe, and we're going to get through this storm. Fast forwarding on to page 130, if you're following in the book, if not, again, don't worry. I'm going to tell you that every single time because I do not want you to feel like you're missing a bit because our goal here is for you not to miss a thing. Get your Bible, open it up, get something to take notes. Rome, keys to the text. Rome was the capital city of the Roman Empire, okay? The Apostle Paul's first known connection with Rome was when he met Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. They left Rome after Claudius expelled all of the Jews from the city. 
Okay, but that's where Paul was first originally introduced to Rome. He planned to visit Rome by going to visit friends. Listen, Paul planned <laughs> to visit Rome by going to visit friends, right? On his way to Spain. But he ended up going under very different circumstances. God got him to the same place. God got him to the intended place, but he did it in a much different way. And the way that he did it was a way that developed a lot more character, a lot more perseverance, a lot more, I know my God, because he had to go through the storm. I think so many of us bringing it here, right here, right now, stepping out of the time culture context, I think so many of us try to achieve these things apart from the storm that gals I'm telling you from my own life from my own life I am sitting here a literal walking testimony to what the Lord has done in my own life because I have gone through the storms there's a resiliency that's developed there's there's a strength that is developed there's a having to lean on him because you see gals when things are only mountaintop moments it's so easy to forget it's so easy to forget God right? So Paul was such an example of, he wanted to get to Rome, but he got to Rome under much different circumstances than those which he originally intended. But again, write it down since we don't have Heather on tonight. She's an exemplary note taker, but I want you to write this in your notes. It's extremely important. You are never in a more perfect place. I am never in a more perfect place. Write it down than when I am right in step with God's will. So God's will for Paul was going through this tumultuous storm, going through the shipwreck, going through all the pressures, going through being snake bitten in Malta, going through all of the things that Paul was able to literally pen the words that he penned in Philippians, write the words that he wrote in Philippians, girls, because he lived through it and he saw God in it. To keep from being killed by hostile Jews in Jerusalem, Paul appealed to Caesar, ultimately bringing him to Rome as a prisoner where he awaited trial. So Paul wasn't going on his way to Spain to visit friends. He arrived in Rome as a prisoner. Now, a little bit about the culture of Rome. And this is important, girls. This is important because you're going to see, while it may look a little bit different, you're going to see a lot of similarities. And the way our cultural norms in our culture and our society is going, okay? Temples were built in Rome. Augustus built a temple to Apollo. A temple was built to Caesar. Temples were literally built all over Rome. You had very, very different classes in society. You had the ultra wealthy and you had the extreme poor living in the slums, extreme poverty, no, no um, plumbing in the homes, no heat and air, temperature controlled environments. It was very hard to live like that. But the wealthy at this time, the wealthy, although there was a lot less of them, they had opulent homes. There wasn't anything that they didn't have in their homes. They were designed beautifully, they were living in absolute opulence, lavish, lavish homes that were elaborately, elaborately constructed. But Rome had literally over a million people living in crowded tenement dwellings. These are also known as insulae, I-N-S-U-L-E, insulae. They were literally like six to eight apartment, apartment blocks at a time, okay, that all shared a common staircase, picture this, cramped. People just crammed, families crammed into the apartments with no pets, people, no, no modern day conveniences that we have now. So, so all of these poverty stricken apartments, if you will, tenements, shared a common staircase and they shared a common courtyard. Okay, so everyone was packed like sardines essentially together. We're going somewhere with us. So you have the extreme poor, you have the extreme rich the extreme wealthy, right? Um, it was hot. It was hot in the tenements. By the fourth century AD, there were about 45,000 insulae and 2,000 private homes. Basically, there was a, a, a complete division between wealth and between 
those looked at as less than, than poverty, right? Rome became a symbol of idolatry and paganism. Rome became a symbol of idolatry and paganism in the New Testament. Turn to page 136 if you're working from the book. Idolatry and paganism. And why did I say that societally and culturally we're seeing that now? Because you're seeing people that are turning from God. You're seeing generations of people that are turning from Christ. They're turning from God so much faster than those are turning to him, than others are turning to him. We're a nation that's rejecting him. We're a nation that is, is blaspheming him. We're a nation that is rejecting him. We're building um, um, idols. We're building shrines. We're building, look at Wall Street. I mean, just look at Wall Street, right? We're building all of these things. We're, we're worshiping self, self-help, self this, self, self, self. It's all about you, you, you. It's all about your comfort, girls. In a very different time and culture, that is the same paganism and idolatry that plagued Rome that's all over the New Testament. It's the same idolatry that plagued Athens that we talked about the past few weeks. It's rejecting a holy and a righteous God. And over and over and over in the pages of scripture, you see God's judgment, okay? I'm not gonna unpack that too much. We're gonna stick in line with tonight's questions, with tonight's material, but you see God's judgment. Why am I going here? Because it is so, so important for us more than ever. It is so important for us to take to the pages of scripture for encouragement, for God's promises, to know that when we're out there in the world and we're emulating and, and sharing this example of Christ, that we're not doing it from our own fortitude and strength, but we're doing it based on God's promises and based on who God is. But you have to know God's word. To know his will, you've got to know his word. Everybody wants God's will apart from his word, right? And then we can take examples from how Paul went through the storms of life, storm after storm after storm. Now we're going to go through and we're going to kind of read through some of the questions together on page 136. We're going to cover the first three together, the going deeper section. If you're working from the book, you can do on your own. That is not a problem at all. But number one, the question is, in what ways was the voyage to Rome described in chapter 27, an ill-advised decision? So we're going to turn to Acts chapter 27, and we're going to read verses 4 through 10 to start. And it says, and from there we set sail and sailed under the, the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Verse 5, and when we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. Verse 6, there was a centurion. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. Verse 7, and when we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had, uh, had arrived at Sindus, since the wind did not permit us to go further, we sailed in the, under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. And with difficulty again, verse 8, and with difficulty, we sailed past it and came to a place called Bear Havens, which was near the city of Lassay. And when we had considerable time, or when considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, so now that it was wind, 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 and now it's like clearly dangerous. When the voyage was dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to advise them, verse 10. And he said to them, men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. I'm going to read verse 11. But the centurion was being more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than what was said by Paul. Okay, so, so why was it not a, a good idea? They were sailing in the fall. It wasn't a good time to go sailing uh, or to, to take a ship out, number one. It was a rough time. It was a rough time to be on the seas. But then you get down to verse 11 and Paul was advising them against it. He's like, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think we should do this. But instead of them taking Paul's example, instead of them taking Paul's advice, they chose to ignore Paul's example and advice. And you're going to see later on in the chapter how Paul confronted them with that. But he also confronted them with God's promises when the angel spoke to him and with God's truth. 
So it's very important to understand that. Violent winds, it was just not a good time to be sailing. It was a dangerous, dangerous trip, right? It was a dangerous, dangerous um, voyage that they had. Number two, how did Paul demonstrate the qualities of a leader during the harrowing voyage? I want you to turn to Acts chapter 27, and we're going to read verses, let me see here, 21 through 26. Give me just one moment. Verses 21 through 26. And when they gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, men, we're going right to, he called it right out, men. You should have followed my advice and not set sail from Crete to avoid this damage and loss. Verse 22. And now I advise you to be cheerful. So he goes from, I told you so, essentially. I told you so. You didn't listen. But okay, next, let's move on. Be cheerful, right? <laughs> be cheerful, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Verse 23, for this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. So he essentially said to him, behold, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to get there safe and all the people with you are going to get there safe. Then verse 25 and 26 really shows his leadership amidst the storm. It shows that Paul wasn't just talking the talk, but he actually was leading by example. So he didn't let them get away with the fact that they didn't listen to him. He called it out. He was very direct. But verse 25 and 26, therefore, be cheerful, men, for I believe, I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I've been told, but we must run aground on some island. So he was literally saying, we're still going to be shipwrecked. It's still going to happen. We're not avoiding the storm, but you can trust God. Okay, park in it. Time, culture, context first. TCC, time, culture, context. Now we're gonna bring it to 2023. Ladies, what an example when these men were terrified for their lives. They're out on the open waters. That's a terrifying experience, right? I've never been in a shipwreck. I, I never wanna be out on the sea. I'm not crazy about boats, but I will tell you that being in that environment, it wasn't like you know, a cruise ship. It was intense. It was terrifying. It was scary. And instead, Paul, Paul chose to, to encourage them with God's promises, and he couldn't encourage them with something he didn't have. Remember how I said this uh, when we just started at the beginning, I said, what's inside inevitably is going to come out? Gals, when we face our storms in life, when we face the tough times, when we face the things that nearly crumble us, when we face those really hard, hard things, People are watching us. As believers in Christ, as ladies who call on the name of Jesus Christ, people are watching us. And what's inside is going to come out. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we really act? Do we really model and act what our mouth speaks? Right? These are all really important things. And Paul, it's so important that we take that example from Paul that even in the midst of the storm, he said to them, be cheerful, you're gonna be okay. You're not avoiding the storm. You're not gonna get out of the storm. But God's intended purposes are gonna to come to pass. God's promises are gonna to come to pass. It just may not be your way. It certainly wasn't the way Paul intended it to go. Paul intended smooth sailing, no pun intended, pun intended, right? Smooth sailing but it went quite differently. So he demonstrated, write this down since we don't have our girl Heather on tonight. He demonstrated leadership through encouraging them in God's word. He demonstrated leadership through encouraging them in God's word, through leading them and offering hope. He didn't say we're doomed. He said, I told you so, you should have listened, but be cheerful. We are still gonna wreck we're still going to wreck, but every life's going to be saved. I believe God, whom I serve. Are we going about the storms in our lives like that? Are we going about those, those times in our lives that challenge us? Are we approaching it with that same mentality? And then he advised them to be cheerful based on God's promises. 
let me just challenge you gals that you will never be truly cheerful. You will never have true cheerfulness and joyfulness, which is so different than happiness. The world just tells you all about happiness. You'll never have that apart from God. That's why you see our world in the state that it is in. That's why you see people literally searching, acting out, just no regard for each other. It is happening in alarming levels. And, and quite honestly, if you're not seeing it, your head really is in the sand. I say that, I say that in love. But if you're not seeing what Ephesians 6 talks about, this spiritual war, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness, right? There's a spiritual war that is going on. And the scariest, saddest part of it is that so many people are trying to lead amidst storms apart from God and his promises. You can never do that. You don't have it. We have to go directly to God, directly to Christ for our strength. So he led based on God's promises, not based on him, not based on his own thoughts, his own fortitude. And then uh, number three, we're breezing right along tonight. And then we're going to talk about some lessons we can learn from this storm. And then we're going to wrap it up. We're doing great on time. Feel free to comment, chat it out together. If you have any questions, you can put it in the comments. And when I'm able to slow down, I'll go back and, and answer since we don't have Heather on tonight. What happened when Paul arrived at Rome? What happened when Paul arrived at Rome? I want you to turn to Acts chapter 28 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 28. And we're going to turn to verse 15 and 16 first. So at verse 11, it starts talking about Paul's arrival in Rome. But we're going to skip down to Acts 28, verse 15 and 16. And I'm going to read that to you. And the brothers, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three ends to meet us. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. He thanked God and he took courage. And then verse 16. And when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. So instead of him having to go to an actual prison situation, God even made provision, right, with a Roman soldier for Paul to be on house arrest, essentially. So that's, that's what happened here. But when he arrived in Rome, people started coming. People were coming to hear the gospel. People were coming to hear the good news. And what did Paul do? What was the first thing when people started coming to him to hear the good news? Was he like all bloated and, and gloaty and proud? And no, he wasn't. The first thing he did is he thanked God. In that place, thank you, Lord. I'm here. I'm safe. I made it through the storm. And people are here to hear not about me, but about you. The Messiah, the anointed one, Messiah, anointed one. They're here to hear the gospel. So people started coming from all over. They literally started flooding the area. And then let's fast forward to Acts chapter 28. And I'm going to read verses 23 through 25. This is the mission. This was, this was what Paul wanted but Paul got it in a much different way. This was the whole goal of the voyage. This was worth every shipwreck, every storm, every bit of wind, every bit of uh, raging sea. This was worth it. Acts chapter 28, verse, uh, Acts uh, chapter 28, verse 23. And when they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he was explaining to them by solemnly bearing witness about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. So his whole goal was to just share the gospel, to get the gospel into these hearts, to share Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then in verse 24, and some were being per persuaded. Some were listening to the gospel. They were hearing the gospel. They were receiving Christ. They were receptive. Some were receptive. But in that same sentence, in that same verse, I should say, it says in that same verse, but others were not believing. 
but others were not believing. Verse 25, and when they disagreed with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers. And we're going to go back to Isaiah because don't you ever let anyone tell you you can discount and take away the Old Testament. The Old Testament literally foretells what God did for us through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Yet you have people, very popular people, that are, are saying you, you really don't need the New Testament. It doesn't serve a place. No, that's false. All over the New Testament, you see Old Testament prophecies coming true all over. And we're going to read one in Isaiah chapter six in a moment. But before we go there, in that same sentence, people were coming to believe as Paul shared the gospel. They were coming to believe in Jesus Christ, but in the very same sentence, others were not. Others were not. And Paul confronted that with Isaiah. But it is not our job, time, culture, context, pausing it and bringing it right here, right now. You are going to have people that reject you when you share the gospel. You are going to have people that absolutely outright disconnect from you, think you're ridiculous, make fun of you, especially online where everybody's just ready to say whatever they want to say behind a screen that oftentimes many wouldn't say to your face. You're going to face rejection, but because of God's promises, because of how he, he chose to use Paul, people came to know Christ. God's providence, people came to know him. And then let me just make sure I'm not getting too far ahead of myself because I can definitely do that. Let me just make sure here. Yes. So Acts 28 verses 26 and 27. I want you to listen to this. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers. I want you to write down as you listen, don't go flip there yet, but listen, listen to this. I want you to write down Isaiah chapter six, verses nine and 10. Write down Isaiah chapter six, verses nine and 10, and listen. Go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become, of this people has become dull. And with their ears, they scarcely hear. And they've closed their eyes, lest they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return. And I healed them. Now, that's Acts 28, verses 26 and 27. I want you girls to now flip in your Bibles, Old Testament, bringing it back to Isaiah. I want you to flip in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Yahweh sends Isaiah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Verse nine, he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not know. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed, right? So this Old Testament, this Old Testament prophecy, literally, you see right here in Acts 28, as Paul has finally made his way to Rome, and people accept Christ, and people reject Christ. Both. Both. It is not our place to sit there. It is not our place to sit there. Apart from sharing the truth that we know and the hope that we have and the precious gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is not your job to sit there and keep trying to get people to believe. More often than not, you're going to have to shake the dust off, like Jesus said. You're going to have to shake the dust off and you're going to have to understand that some people will listen and some people will not. Paul, when he, when he referenced this in Acts, he was talking to those who were hard of heart, who refused to hear. They refused to hear. Now, ladies, 
please understand it's okay. I am always okay before I hit the start button and I record, I'm always okay with if you don't like something and you feel like this is, is just not right, I am totally fine with you leaving, but it is not gonna change what I am about to tell you right now. What you're seeing right here in 2023, what you're seeing in our society and what you're seeing in our culture is an all out war and attack on God from the male and the female to the man and the woman to the sanctity of marriage to the ridiculous pronouns that people are forcefully shoving and expecting Christians, people who call on the name of Jesus to, to submit to these ideologies and this way of living. We cannot do that as believers in Jesus Christ. God, God gives people over to depraved minds. That is happening right now. It is not your job to tiptoe around whose pronouns are what and, and oh, so-and-so. And this is an all-out blasphemy to a holy and a righteous God. We are to walk in love, but we are to speak the truth. Paul spoke the truth. And the truth of it is, no matter what age group you're in, if you're raising babies or if you're not, the truth of it is, is that we can never encourage people with the hope of the gospel. Nothing can come out of us that is not inside of us. God's word must be deep down, rooted, saturated, planted deep in the deepest parts of our heart for us to be able to effectively share the good news and the gospel. You've got to be clinging to God, to Jesus Christ, unlike ever before. It cannot come from you. Paul, it did not come from Paul. It came from God working through Paul because he was a willing and obedient servant and he knew who was the one taking the action. He knew that. It's so very important for you to understand this in this world that is trying, trying so hard to get you to, to just accept their ideologies, which are downright 110% demonic. You may not like it. It's okay. Like I said, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. It's demonic. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness that we cannot see. As we end Acts, this chapter 27 and 28, as we end the Bible study, it's vitally important for you girls to understand that the gospel spread as God intended. No matter what the enemy tried, no matter what storm the enemy sent, the gospel, the good news spread, and it continued to spread. But it spread through willing and obedient servants like Paul, who knew whose they were, and they knew who was doing the work. He stayed connected to him. We must stay connected to God's word. We make everything else a priority above God's word. We justify why we don't bring our babies to church, but we bring them to the ball field. It's a challenge for you right now in 2023. And if you don't have children, talk about the children in your lives, whoever it is, the generations that are being raised up. You are an example to somebody. The gospel, the good news, as you share it, will fall on many deaf ears and hard hearts, but it will also fall on willing, people willing to hear, and receptiveness, and people that will call on the name of Christ. But you can't give something you don't have. It is time to shift your priorities around. It is time to start being less focused on self, less focused on you, and more focused on God and his word and his promises. Getting on your knees in prayer, praying for your families, praying for your homes, praying for your marriages. And it also means praying for the resolve to stand up like these people in scripture did and say, I will stand for Christ. And I will do so without thinking twice. It is instantaneous because that's what's in you. God's word is in you. You walk in love. Yes, the world loves to use you're a hater if you don't agree with my ideology, if you don't use my pronouns, if you don't call me a, 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 a he when I'm a she or a she when I'm a he. No, that is not walking in love. You are living in a time 
that was just as rampant as it was in Rome and Athens with idolatry, with blasphemy to God. And gals, take, take heart and take courage from this message, from Paul's example. Go read Philippians. Go read Philippians, go read his words about pressing on and endurance. But listen, I have it hanging above the door inside my home. Joshua, you must choose you this day whom you will serve. You can't serve the world and serve God. You can't serve man and serve a holy and a righteous and a perfect God. You must choose. And choosing means you may go through that storm, but you know. You 110% know because you know God's word who is going through that storm with you. Quickly, as we wrap it up and tie a pretty little bow on this Bible study, okay? Lessons that we can learn from Acts chapter 27 and Paul going through the storm. I want you to just write it down because it's not in the book. Number one, storms will come in life. Number one, storms will come in life. John 16, tells us in the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Take heart. I've overcome the world. That means that we're not focused on ourselves and the storm raging around. Paul could have been so focused on the storm raging around, but rather he chose, he chose. That's a key word there. He chose to be focused on God in the midst of the storm. He chose to cling to God's promises. He chose to be cheerful in affliction, patient in affliction, and cheerful and joyful. That's how he can talk about joy in the midst of storms. Storms are going to come. We have to make the choice to draw closer to God through these storms, bringing it right here, right now. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a health storm. Maybe it's a physical storm. Maybe it's a storm fighting for your children or your grandchildren living in this chaotic world that blasphemies God every single day. Whatever that storm is, you cling to Christ. You draw your strength from Christ. You don't walk in agreement to anything that God, God calls sin. And you can do that in love. You can do that in love, yes. But you have to be ready for rejection. So often, we're terrified of rejection from those we love. But we never think about the ultimate, the ultimate. Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, King of kings and Lord of lords whom we serve. We must serve him. Choose you this day whom you will serve. We can navigate these storms through the power and the presence of God in our lives. We can navigate this culture. We can navigate this society through the power and the presence of God, but you can't do it if you're not in his word, if you're not in prayer, if you're prioritizing everything else over him. I promise you girls, if you want to see your life change, look at your schedule, look at your planner, look at your family to do, and look at how much time are you really drawing near versus doing all these other things that are meaningless and worthless. And I, I'm sorry to say that, but I, I do the same in my life. Sorry, not sorry. I do the same in my life. Where can we shift and prioritize to say, Christ, you are my number one. I need your strength. I can't go through this alone. Number two, number two, moving on, because I'm going to have you girls done on time, possibly even early. Storms reveal. Remember how I said at the beginning of this Bible study, what's inside of you is going to come out. And as a, as a, a lady who loves Christ, a Bible believing in the inherent, infallible, word of God, as a woman who believes in, in God's word, when you go through a storm, people may not say it. They may not say a word, but I promise you they are watching. How's she going to go through this storm? What's inside is going to come out. Storms reveal. They reveal the state of our heart. Scripture tells us above all else, the heart is deceptively wicked. 
but they reveal where our heart posture is. They reveal the, the, the measure of faith. Do we really have that mustard seed of faith? Do we really believe what we say we believe? What's inside always comes out. To whom do we choose to listen when we're facing storms? Do we listen to this world that is just an awful mess? Awful mess. Do we listen to this world? Or do we choose to cling, literally cling to the promises of God? In the midst of one of Paul's many storms, he chose to listen to the voice of God. And he said to them, the storm is going to happen. The shipwreck's going to happen. But take, take heart. Be cheerful. Be cheerful on it. It's going to happen. But be cheerful because we're all going to be okay. Because my God said so. And I trust him. I trust him. Paul reminded them that they should have listened. But he also encouraged them. So often, especially some of you, you're probably dealing with it in your own families, having these, these just diametrically completely different upbringings that your children and your grandchildren are living through right now. And you're going to be faced with a storm. Am I going to cave and just sort of go with the flow with whatever they want to? Or am I going to lovingly share the truth and the hope that I have? And, and be ready that you may lose some people. And some of those people may be your family. But I challenge you, before I move on to number three, I lovingly, lovingly, lovingly challenge you. You cannot in this world, and that's in your own life too, not just out there in this world, but our own lives. You cannot stand in agreement with anything that God calls sin. That could be the sin of pride. It could be the sin of, of, of committing adultery. It could be the sin of stepping into agreement with what's happening in your family's life and just sort of going with the flow and not really calling it for what it is. God will always strengthen us through our storms, but we must keep our eyes fixed on him. We must prioritize him. We must say that if I don't have time for A, B, or C, that is fine. I've got to have time for my prayer. I've got to have time to get on my knees before a holy and a righteous God. And I promise you girls, he is so, so real. He shows up. He gives strength and extra measure. He gives hope and abundance. He is a, a, a righteous and a holy God, but he provides what you need just at the moment that you need it, not a moment too late and not a moment too soon. He knows what you need before you can even fathom what you need, but you've got to be building the relationship with him. And then third, well, let me read this verse, Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope, be joyful in hope. Those things that we hope for, be patient in affliction, be patient in the trial, be patient in the storm. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful knowing that you can go directly to the throne, that you don't have to wait, that tonight, right now, when this study is over, that you go directly to the throne and you pray to God about what's in your heart, what's inside comes out, what's in your heart to reveal that, the strength for the storms that you're going through that I don't know, but God does. And then number three, storms reposition. Storms reposition us. Storms take us from where we think we want to go, where we think we need to go, to where we really need to go. Storms reposition us. Paul was the captive on the ship. Paul was the captive and he became the commander. Paul was the captive and he became the commander. He became the one that was leading. He became the one that said, let me tell you about my God. I want you to be cheerful. Let me tell you what he told me because he had a relationship with him. The captive became the commander. Through Paul's actions, people realized the gospel. They started to recognize it through his actions. You can talk a good game. You can do every reel. You can learn how to polish your stories. You can have the best social media presence. You can call yourself an influencer. You can have a hundred plus thousand followers following you on social media. None of that matters. None of that matters. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is what do people see when they watch how you go through the storm? What do they see? Do you point to Jesus? 
because what's inside comes out. Do you point to Christ? Are you a woman that literally leads by example? We fail, we all fail. I fail multiple times a day. I, I, I always say, and I'm not kidding, I repent a lot, a lot. We have to keep it real. But are you a woman whose heart is literally set on Christ above all else? If seen through spiritual eyes, only if seen through spiritual eyes will storms become our opportunities. Will storms become opportunities? Opportunities to grow in your relationship with Christ. Opportunities for refinement. Opportunities for refinement of character. Opportunities for God to purge your heart. Opportunities for him to take out what is not in line with him and to replace it with more of him. Storms are opportunities. God will use the storms in our lives to reposition us. He will use them to reposition us. And sometimes that reposition is a place we never thought we wanted to go. But when you are in step with God's will, you are in no more perfect place. You are in no more perfect place. Press into our relationship with Jesus through spending time with him. Very basic. Very basic. As God reveals what's inside of us, let us be faithful. Listen to this. And we're ending. Let us be faithful and obedient to being transformed. Because it's so easy to look around at everyone else and say, this is, this is wrong, that's wrong, they're wrong. But you know what? Before we, do all, before we do any of that, we have to take that mirror and we have to put it right in front of us. And we have to say, God, reveal what is in me. Reveal what's in me that is not of you. Purge it, take it out, transform me. To transform means quite literally to be made new, to be made new. In the Bible, transformation means change or renewal from a life that no longer conforms to the, way, uh, the ways of the world, but is conformed to the ways of God. Transformation. And that transformation is a process. And sometimes it's a painful one. That transformation is sometimes a painful process. But Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be made new, be made new to the ways of God and not the ways of this world by the renewal of your mind. What does that mean? The renewal of your mind. It means that you no longer go to the world as your source, but you go to God's precious word. We have his word, Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament to new. We have the gospel at our fingertips in a, in a world, in a country, I should say a country where we don't have to worry about being beheaded or killed or thrown in prison or murdered for reading. We have God's word. Do you want to be transformed? Know God's word. Do you want to know God's will? Know God's word. Do you want to fight for your family? Know God's word. Do you want to fight for your grandbabies? Do you want to fight for your nieces and nephews? Do you want to fight for the people in your life? Then you got to know God's word and you have to make him a priority. That gospel spread throughout despite attack after attack after attack. The gospel continued to spread by willing and obedient servants who were not so puffed up about themselves, but they knew the God that they served. They knew him because they were intimate and they spent time with him. It is my prayer for this ministry. It is my prayer for each and every one of you that we shift our priorities that we shift our focus, that we become literally vessels for Jesus Christ, vocation to location, wherever he's placed you, whatever you do, whatever your career is, wherever you work, if you travel for work, if you don't, if you work in a store, a convenience store, a gas station, it doesn't matter. If you've got multiple credentials and you're the CEO, CFO, you name it, it does not matter wherever you are, vocation, location, God will use a willing humble and obedient servant, but you've got to be spending time with him. And this is the only thing that matters. The only thing. I'm leaving y'all for seven weeks, so I've got to make sure I tell you this. The only thing that matters 
is to love him, to love Christ, and to make him known. Girls, if you missed any of these past sessions, find Ladies Who Love Christ. All you have to do is look it up. Ladies Who Love Christ on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. We literally have whole archive of past studies, interviews, teachings there. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. All of our, our episodes are there. We have many, many, many episodes. Go back, watch it, digest it, listen, open God's word.